Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. You are not alone, and we are all in this together. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of your program. I'm happy you're here with us today. Today we're taking a look at something that is constantly in the news and which most of us are directly impacted by since most of us are on lockdown. And I'm talking about the coronavirus. We'll be seeing how it directly impacted a member of the CHD community and her family. And we'll talk with the mother of a teenager who has had a heart transplant. Let me introduce my guest on today's program. Ann Coppola was born in 1953. Her first surgery occurred at age 10 in 1963 on November 22nd. She was at Children's Hospital in Boston for observation. They were treating her complete heart block with medication. Ann has a rare congenital heart defect known as congenitally corrected transposition of the great arteries or levo transposition of the great arteries. And many of you know that as CCTGA or LTGA. Currently, Anne is a group therapist at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center doing virtual or remote groups during a coronavirus pandemic in Boston. Anne is also the president of the Northeastern Society for Group Psychotherapy. My loyal listeners may remember Anne from season 14 when she was on a program entitled Shameless Appeals for Applause with a 66-year-old CCTGA heart warrior. And we also have Valerie Guerin on our program. Valerie is the mother to three children. Two of Valerie's children are heart healthy, but like me, she's a heart mom. Her daughter, Cora, was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Cora received a heart transplant three years ago. Valerie is a recreational aide in Riverbend Senior Center and a substitute for Region 15. She's also a Girl Scout troop leader for both of her daughter's groups. We'll start today's episode by interviewing Anne, and in segment two, we'll talk to Valerie In the final segment, we'll all be in the studio together to discuss what living in the age of coronavirus means to the CHD community. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Anne? Hi, Anna. I'm glad to be back. And my previous appearance, we called it Shameless Appeals for Applause. And I'm going to be appealing for applause, too, as you'll see in my story. (laughs) that's what I love about you Anne. you are not afraid of applause that's right I am glad to see that and we need some applause right now I think we need everything and anything positive we can possibly get our hands on don't you I agree yes let's get started I wanted to start with you because your doctors actually believe that you had the coronavirus can you talk to us about what your symptoms were and what happened yes and this is how I'm going to make myself the hero of my own story. The first week in March, Anna, I was at a giant group therapy conference in New York City. And that was before everything changed. 
and we were aware of the coronavirus and we were told to do things like wash our hands, not shake hands and be careful. And I was very careful. I didn't touch any surfaces, but in retrospect, I just realized that coronavirus was right there with us the entire time. I was there with over a thousand people from all over the world, from all over the world. We were in rooms together, very close to each other. It was a dance. So I came home on March 7th and my roommate at the conference had symptoms of a cold. And I was like, "Uh oh. And then Monday when I was supposed to go into work, I noticed that I was running a slight fever and I never run fevers. And as a matter of fact, whenever I run a fever, I get tested for endocarditis because I've had it Uh, times. Yeah. Yeah. So I immediately called my manager. I called my doctors. I explained what was going on. And I called employee health. And amazingly, employee health said, nope, that's not really a fever. We're clearing you to come back into work. And I thought, that's ridiculous, considering where I just came from. Mm-hmm. So my doctor said, if you run any fevers over 100.3, come into the hospital, and this is Tufts Medical Center, and we will test you for the coronavirus. So sure enough, 5.30 that evening, I ran a fever. I came into Tufts. They isolated me. They tested me for everything, including endocarditis and flu. They took swabs to test me for the coronavirus. But unfortunately, the Department of Public Health said, nope, we don't have any test kits. So they did. Oh, no. Oh, yes. That's the way it was. So they kept me overnight because they were a little concerned about my oxygen levels. And it was very terrifying because Mm -hmm. all the people that came in were totally suited. But then they decided, oh, you probably don't have it. And they let me go home. But my husband and I decided and were advised to self-quarantine. In the meantime, I was getting reports from people who had been to this conference. And my roommate got tested, and she was positive. Oh, no. And there were so many people who were at that conference that were testing positive that there were actually articles about that conference in the New York Times and the Washington Post. Wow. So we pretty much knew that I had it. Right. I ran fevers. Some of them were quite high for a week. And then everyone was nervous because the second week is supposed to be when the lung issues kick in. Right. And because I'm in both risk categories, I'm now 67. And I also have CCTGA. Everybody was very nervous. However, I never had any shortness of breath and any lung problems at all. I had a dry cough, Mm -hmm. but it resolved. And after two weeks of symptoms, I was fine. Wow. I can imagine that everyone in your family was terrified for you, especially your husband. Yes. We didn't really do what you're supposed to do when I first came home because we had no idea. So we've been assuming that he had it also. He is one of the 25% of people who have no symptoms at all. 
Oh my goodness. Okay. So that's good. So you were running fever. You had the dry cough. Your husband was right there with you in the same house, experiencing no symptoms whatsoever. That's right. Well, that's a blessing. It is. I think we would feel a lot better if we could take the test, which I think is coming, where they test for the antibodies. Because Mm -hmm. the reality is, if we test positive for the antibodies, we are immune. Right, right. Now, do we know if you're immune, if that also prevents you from being a spreader? Immunity is one thing. You're not a spreader if you... Okay. If you don't actively have the virus, right? Yeah, right. Okay, so my primary care physician told me that we were free to leave the house after it was something like two weeks without symptoms, no cough, no fevers for many days. And because, here's another shameless appeal for applause, I don't want to infect anyone. I waited several days longer before I went out. And I am continuing to wear masks because I don't want to infect anyone. Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Whatever strife or conflict that we experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor. Heart to Heart with Michael, please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed in the podcast are not those of Hearts Unite the Globe, but of the hosts and guests, and are intended to spark discussion about issues pertaining to congenital heart disease or bereavement. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Before the break, we were talking with Ann Coplo about her experience with the coronavirus. Now we're going to talk with Valerie Guerin. Valerie, you live in Connecticut, which is very close to New York City, where the coronavirus seems to have simply overtaken the entire city. And your daughter, Cora, has had a heart transplant. Many people feel she is at an even greater risk of contracting the virus and having problems than others. However, you and I were talking before the show, and there might actually be some science that might contradict those beliefs. So can you tell me what you learned when you talked to Cora's nurse? It's interesting because normally when I talk to Cora's medical staff, I type everything out because I know that I'm distracted and there's things I won't remember or I might need to go back and repeat something. I was so busy monitoring the kids with their homeschooling that Mm -hmm. I didn't take it in as well as I'd like. I did admit that at the time. I said basically my takeaway was Cora's in a unique position because they're not finding many concerns with transplant kids. Right. There's a paradox about how her medication just might be helping her because her immunity or her uh, immune suppression, if that's a word. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly what I heard. In fact, it's so interesting. A friend of mine had a cousin 
who was on the cruise. Remember this last month, or maybe it was even two months ago, there was that cruise ship that had to dock and they were taking yes. people off with the coronavirus. Well, my friend's cousin was one of them and she and her husband okay. were on the cruise together. The husband is a liver transplant survivor. And the wife is the one who had the symptoms. She had the fever, she was hospitalized. Both of them tested positive for coronavirus, but even though wow. the gentleman was a transplant survivor, he didn't have any symptoms. He's like Anne's husband, one of those 25% that was symptom-free. Right. And they said that they felt that the coronavirus is strange with the way that it works in the human body, and it forces our own immune system to kind of attack itself or with some mm -hmm. kind of explanation like that. And so since he was immune suppressed, his body was not attacking itself. It was not having the same kind of problems. So he was told that actually being immune suppressed was an advantage to him with this virus. Who would ever guess that? Right, Valerie? It was our dinner conversation that night because I asked my son, do you see much difference because we've always been careful before? And his comment was, no, you just yell more because I'm worried about hygiene. But now we are able to say, okay, Cora, now you have to be careful because you don't want to make your sibling sick. Right, exactly. Right. right, right. So just because they're not showing symptoms doesn't mean that they don't have it, doesn't mean that they can right. pass it on to somebody. So that's pretty darn scary. But who would expect that somebody who's on immunosuppressant drugs might actually be at an advantage? in this horrible right. coronavirus environment. It was good news when yes. she told me that because I know that Cora was particularly worried. Of course. But even before the quarantine, no. she was worried? She was worried and she's still processing transplant. She's mm -hmm. freshman in high school. She's not the heart kid anymore, which is great for her because now she gets to bring out other parts of her personality, mm -hmm. but she still feels alone. Sure. With that, who do you talk to in school? I was debating on whether I should take her out, and I would have gone further into that. She emailed her nurse practitioner and said, should I wear a mask? Mm -hmm. So she's responsible enough. Yeah. But, you know, she's got worries like the rest of us. Sure. And there's times I wonder, you know, how worried are they? Because they're used to chaos, but she was. That manifests itself in some good teenage angst and <laughs> arguments. But I think it's right interesting what you're saying, though. Transplant is still relatively new to her. And what mm -hmm. people who don't deal with transplant may not know is that this is your normal. Mm -hmm. Having to be really worried about germs, having to be really worried about not getting contaminated <laughs> because their immune system is reduced. So you guys live at a heightened awareness of germs right. and cleanliness compared to people who aren't dealing with transplant, wouldn't you say? It's interesting because I think I shared with you at one point, there was a heart mom on Facebook. I haven't been in the heart community as much since transplant because I'm still trying to open mail and figure out who I am. But this one struck me. She was saying her son was turning seven and he was concerned about heart warrior friends. A lot of families started putting pictures up of their kids. And it made me think. I put Cora up with the dog, and she's very happy. And I said, happy birthday to your son. And we're going to come out to a much cleaner world because people will learn mm -hmm. how to wash their hands. <laughs> That's my hope. You know? yeah, right. It's like all the things that we remind everybody else to do now, it's horrible. I wouldn't wish that kind of fear on anybody. But now no. that we're here, mm -hmm. these are the, some of the skills we'll take out of it. More empathy, well, too. And does it make you feel almost validated for the things that you've been asking people to do ever since Cora had her heart transplant? What's really interesting is it was harder when she was a baby because I didn't have the ability to articulate 
And that was frustrating. But post-transplant, I think I've become a lot more relaxed. And I think that may come from the fact that she's been through so much. And I don't think we have room in our lives for another big panic. (laughs) 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 Like, I kind of feel like, you know, I just can't get that worried now because everyone's got their own amount on their plate. And I feel like we'll get past this, like we got past the last thing, and we'll be as cautious as we were before. Yeah. Now, Cora can be her own advocate, and you see that she's taking charge of her health, and she's being very responsible. That probably allows you to relax a little bit. For the first time in January, my husband took her down to her follow-up, because this is our new normal, that now he can take time off. We don't have to go down all the time. And it was the first time I didn't go with her, and it was her annual biopsy, which was Mm -hmm. your rejection. Mm -hmm. Thank God, by the way. Good. Um, Yay. But it was huge for me to, A, not go with her. Mm-hmm. even though I know she can speak for herself. And B, my husband said it was neat to watch how the staff spoke to her and not so much him. You could see wow. the transition happening, how they encourage mm-hmm. her. And it's funny because I asked for puzzles and people are very generous and dropped them off for a friend of ours who we miss, who loved puzzles. And I thought, I'm not going to hit my husband with that to go down with. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to our next trip. But it was just huge for me to not have that control and that ability to go down and do the things we normally do and see the friends we do. So, oh. yes, it's a letting go. It's a process. And it's hard. It's so hard. But oh my I'm going to applaud yeah. you. We applauded Anne. Yeah. Segment one. Well, thanks to Thank Anne, I can applaud myself now because <laughs> <laughs> she really helped me out there. Thank you, Anne. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's go in a totally different direction. I am seeing a lot of humor on your Facebook timeline. How important is it to you, the mother of three, three children who are homebound, as well as your husband who is homebound, to keep a sense of humor during this dark time? That's what kept us going from the time we got her diagnosis. And Mark and I would make warped jokes while I was pregnant about imagine getting her through that and then this happening. And I realized meeting other heart parents, that's essential. My son has an incredibly sophisticated sense of humor, which he needs to watch out. But he's also been exposed to a lot of heaviness. So I get it. And he knows it, too. And I think also because we've been there before, like when Cora was at her worst pre-transplant, I remember my son said to me, I don't like that she's sick, but the being in together is nice. And I think we learned a lot from that time. I know post-transplant core and I had to be together and we had our own version of quarantine in Philadelphia and we still went out, but it was restricted. So mm-hmm. my takeaway from that was all the times I complained or got annoyed with her, you know, like it's nice having her here now. It's nice to have that normalcy. And yeah. that's something that when this is lifted, I'm hoping we're going to take something out of it in terms of, like, spend more time, like, play more games, mm-hmm. you know. That brings back a sense of nostalgia, so that's kind of cool, right. and you can share that with your kids. Hi, my name is Jamie Alcroft, and I just published my new book, The Tin Man Diaries. It's an amazing story of my sudden change of heart as I went through a heart and liver transplant. I can think of no better way to read the Tin Man Diaries than to cuddle up in your favorite Hearts Unite the Globe sweatshirt and your favorite hot beverage, of course, in your Hearts Unite the Globe mug, both of which are available at the Hug Podcast Network online store. Or visit heartsunitetheglobe.org. Home Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. 
I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home tonight forever. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Now all three of us are in the studio together. What is one thing that we can do as members of the heart community to get through this pandemic in a healthy way? And by healthy, I'm not just talking about washing hands. I think we all know that. I'm talking about mental health. And Anne, I would like to have you answer the question first. Well, I think it's all about connection And I'm a group therapist, and I'm doing all these remote groups five times every week. I do groups called Coping and Healing. I have more people in my groups than ever before. People are finding it so helpful to realize that they're not alone. And also, I have been sharing with people that I survived the coronavirus, and they're finding that very helpful, too. So I would say connecting with people, I leave room for everybody's feelings. People cry, they laugh, they're anxious, they're worried, but we also talk about coping strategies. So I think accepting all your feelings and other people's feelings is hugely important during these really challenging times. That is perfect. I love that advice. Okay, Valerie, what about you? You're dealing with young children at home. Well, well <laughs> teenager, teenager and young children. So that's so, really tough. How can we stay healthy? Well, first, I want to get Anne's information so we can get on her group therapy. Especially <laughs> 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 we get our distance learning again. I would say read my blog because I blog every I day. I will. I absolutely will. Thank you. I'm so glad I got to meet you. I just had a conversation with a friend about this. We do try to take positive, and we got a lot of positive from her transplant in terms of every cloud has a silver lining. And if we're going to go through something really difficult, what is the good we can get out of it? So far, I watched my 10-year-old who refuses to sit with me and do distance learning help her 14-year-old sister with her science project. (laughs) And it it made me realize. But that's it. I've come to learn, and this is especially the positive I got from all CORE's experiences was If you're going to go through something, what's the best way you can come out of it? You have to survive. So with that, it's, okay, guys, I'm in my pajamas. I'm going to sleep some more. You know how to log in. And we're just all going easy on ourselves. We're Mm -hmm. very forgiving. We know that this is temporary. And don't get me wrong, the arguments are very creative and they're wonderful and they're interesting. And then we can laugh (laughs) about them and say, wow, I didn't say that to you before. That's a new one. (laughs) But... The kids are big into meditation now. There's wonderful apps out there. We have our distance therapy, which is phenomenal. 
we're still using the resources we have. And I think for us, the fact that we don't have to be running around anywhere, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's helping me regroup because I'm a co-leader for our Girl Scout troops, but by no means am I organized. So <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm learning. <laughs> I'm going to come out so different that no one will recognize me. Oh, my goodness. This is spring cleaning time. And I am mm. seeing a lot of my friends who are like, hey, I'm finally getting my garage cleaned out. I'm finally cleaning out my closet. And yes, it's giving them a little bit of downtime that they wouldn't have had otherwise, that they might be driving to work and instead they're cleaning out their closets. So there are some positive things that we can get out of this pandemic. So it looks like the pandemic is going to change social interactions in the future or Mm -hmm. maybe not. I don't know. What do you predict will be a lasting change that is going to occur because of this pandemic? And I'll start with you, Valerie, because I think you have kind of an inside track into what you think might happen with the kids. I've seen my youngest, who's not really big into technology, because she needs it for school now. She's getting on FaceTime. She's connecting with her friends. But yet still needs to be monitored. So I think there's social distancing by media as well that we're starting to come around to. So there's going to be new things to monitor, I guess. We're just going to have new social rules. Mm. So do you Um, think the kids are going to be up for these new social rules? Or do you think when the pandemic scare is over, they're just going to go back to the way it was before? I wonder because it takes how many days to have a habit form. And I wonder if Mm. the fact that when we see people like I'm a hugger, I have to belong to that group. (laughs) Those who do not hug now. I don't know. I think, especially for kids there's going to be a lasting change. And I don't know how long that'll be. I think it depends on how long we're in quarantine. But the other side of it is, as a family, we have more influence with the kids. And I joke with her Mm. friends saying, yep, I'm flattening their behavioral curve because by the time (laughs) they go back to school, we will have no issues because everyone's going to listen because they have Um, no choice. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And what do you think is going to happen as far as possible changes in social interactions in the future when we're done with this horrible pandemic? Well, I'm a pretty optimistic person. I like to look for the silver lining. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that by experiencing this together, that this will help us connect on a global level, rather Mm -hmm. than in a very sort of individual and separated level. And my hope is that this will help us save the planet. Oh, wow. Yeah. I love that. This will help us to save the planet. That would be really nice. It would be nice to think that something this horrible where you're afraid that we're going to lose possibly hundreds of thousands of people, that in the end, we end up saving the planet somehow. It would give a purpose to the loss. And I think that's something that we search for, don't you, Anne? I do. We all search for meaning. And I honestly yeah. believe that there are some positive effects that are going to come out of these awful losses that we're facing right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we have to focus on those positives because otherwise we'll just all fall apart in sadness. That's right. So we have to look for the silver lining. And I think there are some silver linings there. I'm amazed at how kind i'm seeing people behave to one another are you noticing that too ladies yes absolutely very much so 
Yeah. And that's the way it should have always been. (laughs) Do you remember times when you're in hospital? And this is what I've noticed. It's always been a different atmosphere because there's that group empathy. But if you're there, Mm -hmm. there's a reason. And people say hi to you. And I'm seeing that now in the community as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. People offering each other, are you out of this? Do you need this? That's something I hope does stay. Yeah. And one thing, messages that I'm constantly giving to people in my groups is you are not alone. And we are all in this together. And now more than ever, that's ringing true for people. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And I loved having you come back on the show. Thank you so much for talking about this really important topic and kind of being a voice of reason and calm in a sea of chaos and fear. I'm really happy to be here. And I think one of the reasons I'm calm is because I have the therapy of doing my groups five times every week. That's keeping me very sane. And it also keeps me sane to connect with the two of you. Aw, thank you. Oh my gosh, I've been applauding myself since I heard you talk. You're great. (laughs) (laughs) That's something I think that we lack. And I love that message. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Well, Valerie, it has been lovely getting to know you better. And I really appreciate you coming on the program today. And I hope your family continues to stay well. Thanks. That's the other thing. Exercise in the yard will be great. (laughs) Right. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people out in your yards doing yard work. I've been doing a ton of gardening. For me, that's been necessary for my sanity. Right. Yes, ma'am. Can I plug my blog? Yes, ma'am. I want to put a link to your blog in my show notes, but by all means, tell okay. everybody out loud right now all right. how they can read your blog. It's Please. Ann Coplo, so it's A-N-N-K-O-P-L-O-W dot WordPress dot com. And the name of the blog is The Years of Living Non-Judgmentally, which I think is especially important now. Because when we're under stress, we tend to get more judgmental of ourselves and others. Excellent. And if you all haven't seen it, what I love about Anne's blog is that she has a lot of fun pictures. Mm. And there's a lot of humor. That's what I love about you, Anne. You really know how to use humor. And I think that's something that we all need right now. Thank you, Anna. That's all for this week's episode. It went by so fast, ladies. If you enjoyed this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna, would you please take a moment and leave a review on Podchaser, P-O-D-C-H-A-S-E-R.com, is a directory of podcasts. And in April 2020, they are making donations to Meals on Wheels for every review that is left on a podcast because they want people to know what other people who are listening to the podcast actually think about those podcasts. So if you will leave a review about Heart to Heart with Anna, they will donate 25 cents to Meals on Wheels. And then when I comment as well, then they make yet another donation. So please take a moment to leave a review at podchaser.com. You just type in Heart to Heart with Anna in the search box and my podcast will pop up. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.